Hello and welcome to the North in Numbers. My name's David Dumas-Fisher. I'm filling in for Annie Gork this week as this episode is a sports special. We're looking at the increasing popularity of non-league football in the North, specifically tiers 9 and 10 of the English football pyramid. For those of you tuning in from the North East, that means the Northern League, which is the second oldest football league in the world after the English Football League. For those in Yorkshire, it's the Northern Counties East League. And for those in the North West, it's the North West Counties League. Clubs in those divisions had a combined attendance of almost 550,000 people this season. The data shows that crowds have been increasing in recent years, particularly since the end of the COVID-19 pandemic. The Northern Counties East League, for instance, has seen the average attendance to its games increase by over a quarter since the 28-19 season, which is the last full campaign before the pandemic, and up by 72% in the last decade. So, why have football fans started to flock to non-league football? Well, that's what we're going to try and find out today. We're going to kick things off by speaking to Mike Snowden of the Northern Football League. Thanks for joining us, Mike. No trouble at all. Always happy to talk about non-league football, especially the back Northern League. What drew you in then? What 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 attracted you to the to the to the non-league football? I've always been absolutely obsessed by football since I was very young indeed, and I was a Newcastle season ticket holder, even though I lived in London. And then, as I say, I moved back to the northeast about a decade ago, and. I was in kind of semi-retirement, so that gave me an awful lot of time to go and see other games of football, and I just started going into uh, to Northern League games, and very quickly I got bitten by the bug. Uh, when I first started to go, I was very unsure about what the quality would be, and I was very, very pleasantly surprised by how good the football was, and I just really enjoyed it, and I became a bit of a ground hopper. Just going, looking at the fixture list, saying, oh, I fancy that game, and off I went. Have you noticed an increase in interest from the wider public than in, in the non-league football? Do you think it's been going up in recent years? Yeah, I, I think um, we've had a very welcome increase, particularly in the last season compared to last season. Last season was obviously uh, badly affected by the pandemic, but even then... You know, people were just desperate and glad to get out of the house and go and see some football. And I think that's carried on into this season, where attendances in the first division are up by around 30%. The attendances in the second division are up a little bit. But I think people were just desperate to get the pandemic out of the way, get out of the house. And as I say, just go and see some football and see some friends. You know, an awful lot of people know an awful lot of people at a club or on the non-league circuit. So I think all of that gathered pace and you know, helped enormously. And I think there was also a weariness of the top teams here in the region. That's clearly been overtaken since the Saudi, um, Saudi takeover in Newcastle. But before then, I think people were just a little bit, as I say, disillusioned. Hopefully, people have come to Northern League games and thought, oh, this is quite good fun, and, and kept on coming back. I think, like me, they perhaps have done the same kind of thing as me, has been pleasantly surprised by the quality of the football and the ease of getting in and watching the games. 
I mean, you know, for our clubs, you can get in into a game at the Northern League for seven, six, five pounds, and you can, you know, park and you know, park nearby, turn up at ten to three, five to three if you want to, and just see local lads, you know, playing football and doing well. And so there is a much more of a sense of community around non-league football, I think. And as I say, it's good football and it's good fun. People enjoy it. And I, th- I think professional football, to a degree, has, has lost that. It's meant to be fun. They're meant to be in the entertainment industry. And it's all about money now. In terms of money, how, how have non-league clubs fared with the pandemic? Has it, has it been a tough time? Or- yeah, it, 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 it's certainly been very, very challenging for clubs. Um, there has been an awful lot of, of, of help from... You know, football authorities and the government and that's been absolutely essential when the pandemic was getting underway there were I think understandable concerns of, are we going to keep all of our clubs and we're delighted to see that yes all of our clubs have survived and I think that's just down to the hard work of volunteers committees and also players as well who've kind of stuck with clubs and kind of come back when the pandemic's been over. Uh, apart from the pandemic, I know obviously different parts of the country are affected differently, but um, over the kind of autumn, winter, we had several bad storms. And you know, th- that kind of thing affects clubs as much as pandemics can. Tens of thousands of pounds worth of damage can be caused to a club. And again, the football authorities... Football Improvement um, Fund and Football Foundation have been fantastic at providing clubs help and support about mending fences, repairing roofs, that kind of thing. The professional football clubs, just it's just not on their radar. It's not a problem they have to face. There's sometimes a lot of talk about uh, Premier League clubs and that should do more to fund grassroots and non-league football. Do you, do you think that there's more? More that could be done there, or there's, there's always more that can be done. But the football authorities, you know, do provide um, some very welcome funding. But um, the funding that we're talking about is minuscule compared to Premier League football. It's a bit of a kind of a strain to the. You know, we're very grateful for the money that we get from football authorities. But yes, of course, we can always do with more. I think there's a growing trend among clubs, both in this region and nationally, to become community clubs. And if you become community clubs, there is even more money available from the FA. So if you've got, rather than just a you know, one adult male team, if you've got a women, ladies team, boys, girls teams, and you know, a disability uh, uh, provision, then you can make some big strides about getting funding, improving your facilities, improving your ground. And I know certain of our clubs are going down that route. There's a real buzz about those clubs. Just seeing all the kids playing on the, you know, on the pitches around the main pitch is, is just really good to see. And that's hopefully going to be fair as well for the future. We're going to go now to Hallam FC, who've just had a fantastic season in the Northern Counties East League. They finished top of Division 1 with an impressive 102 points, scoring 103 goals. Hallam's home games have had an average attendance of 614 this season. 
that's up from 267 before the pandemic and just 80 10 years ago. I spoke to Ian Jones of Hallam FC about the club and what's behind this growth. Hallam FC are the world's second oldest football club and play at the world's oldest ground, Sandygates, obviously, were formed in 1860, three years after their, their older brother, Sheffield FC. Sheffield FC have <clears throat> moved grounds a few times, hence why we have the oldest uh, ground, and they don't, which is always a always a bit of a pop quiz question, and then people query why the oldest club don't have the oldest ground. But yeah, we've been based uh, based up in Sandergate for, uh, for the entirety of the club's history. Obviously, at the moment, well, we're playing in the Northern Counties East League Division One, but after uh, well, probably the best the best season on the field in the club's 162 year history, uh, we're now going to be playing in the Northern Counties East League Premier Division next year. Um, so yeah, that's quite that's a little brief overview as to who we are and our, our recent successes. You've been getting some big crowds there this season. In your time there, have you noticed sort of crowds picking up since? Absolutely. Ever ever since I first started volunteering, we started <clears throat> we started our first season with something which we called hashtag Target 200, and that was to get an average of 200 fans through the gate for the season. Uh, and we smashed that. I think we finished on about 289, 293, so we almost got 300 on average. And that was uh, obviously 1819 was the last season before curtailed COVID seasons. Off the back of that, we were then averaging I think low 300s in 1920. Uh, before obviously the seasons got cancelled in March 2020, so we were we were on the gradual incline post COVID. There has been a huge boom, um, and I think we averaging with about 650 uh, for 21 22, which is just it's obscene figures really for that level of football. It's a testament to many many people involved. There's different facets and different reasons why I think it has grown so much. An awful lot of credit has to go to the volunteers, obviously the, the playing staff, the managerial staff, and everyone who's kind of involved in the day-to-day running of the football club, really. I mean, what, what do you think it is that's that's drawing fans there? I, I think we're very fortunate in Sheffield that it's such a sporting city, not just a footballing city, but it's a sporting city. Uh, but having a close look at football, obviously we've had, we have two massive clubs which the city can sustain and have huge attendances. Week in, week out, home and away. Uh, you then look at the other non-league clubs in the area, you look at Stocksbridge, uh, you look at Parkgate, albeit they're in Rotherham, um, Swallownest, Handsworth, and they all have relatively healthy attendances. And it's just a general love for football in the city. Um, I think one of the reasons why it's grown so much, I think it's a byproduct of the good product and service that we had prior to COVID. But I think some aspects of COVID have helped us, plus... I wouldn't say failings, but the unfortunate demise of obviously Sheffield United having a poor season and falling out of the Premier League. And then that twinned with Sheffield Wednesday falling into League One. Um, I think there was a lot of alienated fans and lots of people who felt disassociated from their football clubs for whatever reason that may be. And we have such a good product at Hallam where you can drink in the stands, you can, there's no segregation. You can talk to the away fans, you can talk to the players, you can talk to the management players and the and, and, and the volunteer staff are always open for a chat, whether that be before or after a game. Then looking at uh, actually the COVID rules itself, there was a lot, there was a big period of time where both United and Wednesday, and in fact, all football clubs, professional football clubs were playing behind closed doors. 
yet Hallam weren't, and we had to cap it at 300. But we were selling tickets, we were selling out the ground, well, I say selling out the ground, we were selling our capped attendance of 300 in less than 15 minutes. I think the record was something ridiculous, like three and a half minutes, we were selling 300 tickets. Bloody hell, that's some going there. <laughs> and it is, it's almost like I've, I, I got in trouble a little bit with a, I, I got, um, I did a BBC interview at the time and likened football to Class A drugs and it got printed on the BBC website, which uh, everyone poke and laugh at me but it, it kind of football is a drug and it is one of those weird things where no matter if if, if your particular team's not playing you always seem to gravitate towards something although people can watch it on telly it's just not the same when I remember when they started showing Bundesliga games first and that was great and then they started with the fake crowd noises and personally I thought that was dreadful because you know the you know the ground's empty, but you can hear this drone of crowd noise that was never in never in time with the game. They'd score and about three seconds later, then you'd have a crowd cheer. It was just this weird manufactured plastic synthetic atmosphere. And I think people were just craving to one get out the house. And then people who love football didn't care what football it was. People were just happy to come watch some football. We do have a good backing as it was. And I think word of mouth got out that we did have a decent backing. It was it is a good atmosphere. You can come and drink, you can bring your kids, they can play on the pitch after the game. Uh, it's very family orientated. You don't have to drive too far with it being almost in a city Sheffield. Um I just there was I think there was just so many reasons which were kind of through COVID and not being able to watch Sheffield Wednesday, not being able to watch Sheffield United, and people took that opportunity. And once they'd taken that opportunity, they realized how much fun it was in comparison to spending, well, you know, how much adult tickets these days at a championship game, you're looking at like maybe 40 quid. I don't know how much uh, kids' tickets are, but you must be looking at at least £10. So if it's a family of a family of four, two adults, two kids, you've probably spent the best part of 100 quid on, on tickets. Yeah, at Harlem, you've spent 16. It's a massive difference. Although it's not as crowded, uh, well, I say that obviously with the crowds going up, it is getting a little bit crowded, but it's a different kind of atmosphere. It's a different vibe. There's no... Although there's banter, you don't get as much of the animosity between clubs. And I think that's why people just enjoy it, because people can come up and just watch a game of football for what it is. And irrelevant of score, although great, we've had a great season, that's partly why people are coming back. The score's kind of irrelevant. As long as they enjoy their afternoon and want to come back again, that's the main thing. It doesn't really... I keep saying this, and I know people will think I'm daft because we've just, we've just walked the league, but... Before that, it's about the longevity of the football club to make sure that we're still here in 50, 60, 70 years' time. And if people like the product, they like the service and they want to come back, then that's the biggest victory of all, in my in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, you know, in the cost of living crisis, you reckon it could be, in a weird way, almost beneficial for clubs at this level that people might start thinking, do you know what? I'm going to sack off the 40 quid ticket to watch Sheffield or Leeds or whatever. I think so. It's, it's definitely got to be considered. Um, and as long as as long as the products and the service that I keep banging on about, we try our best to make sure that it is the best. Um, and as our crowds have grown, so of our facilities, we've realised that we need to step up. Um, so you know, we're, we're obviously now it's the off season, and we're getting such big attendances, and we've gone up. We are increasing the terraces. We are increasing the stadium size. Uh, we've this season alone, we've uh, added uh, a second bar. Um, because the queues were just so big in the in the, in the main 1860 bar um, that we just needed more, we, we needed more facilities. So we've acted on it instead of just sitting on it and going, oh well, it's busy, it's busy, it's busy. We've we've kind of we've speculated to accumulate to a certain extent. 
and we're already reaping rewards of that because new fans are coming and going, oh, look, there's this here, there's that there, and they're not waiting long. Well, they're not waiting as long as they did in the queues. Um, and as long as, as long as our service and people enjoy the day, the actual footballing product is a byproduct. Although I, I do class myself as a Hallam fan, there's probably not many people that are. So as long as they go home and they've enjoyed a game of football, they've enjoyed the beer, they've enjoyed the food, they've enjoyed the atmosphere, the likelihood is they'll come back irrespective of result or the opposition that we're playing against. I mean, what's it like for a club at this level that thinking about like infrastructure investment like that? Because obviously you don't have the a sugar daddy from the goal for huge TV money coming in. So the, the club must have to be sort of quite quite careful and considerate about that sort of stuff. We are very careful and considerate, but we also have we, we have so many uh, we have a few USPs which kind of set us apart from from other football clubs at this level, which we do use to our advantage. Obviously, being the oldest football ground, you do get uh, ground hoppers and you do get people who will come to a game because it is oh well, I can set been to the oldest ground. Now, if we can get even a, a small percentage of them people to come again and get some repeat custom from that then it's fantastic. We try and play on our merchandise as much as we can. We try and keep that original. We try and keep the new ideas out there. You know, we were lucky enough that um, we were able to do a Harlem FC and Revenant Makers mashup, uh, a kit, which although, although it's not been worn, it was done as more of like a, a special commemorative piece with a, with a percentage of the uh, takings going to charity. Massive uptake on that. Um, for a club of our size, I think we sold over 300 limited edition shirts for that. Not just that, it's actually our replica shirts, uh, our scarves, uh, other memorabilia. We're always trying to stay on top. We're already looking at new designs for pin badges for next year, which people at non-league love pin badges, love that kind of thing. So we're always trying to keep ahead of the curve, or at least stay on the curve, um, and, and try and make the most of the opportunities and, uh, and the most of our history as we can. As of, well, it was out of, out of lockdown one, um, we were fortunate enough to uh, get a almost like a full-time bar staff to run the 1860 bar. So that's now open to the public, not just on match days. Uh, so that's doing uh, private events uh, as well as just being open as, as a pub. So that's now open. You know, it's being used four or five days a week instead of just on match days. We're getting a closer relationship with the cricket club. So it's now open on days when the cricket's on. So after there's a cricket match, cricket players, cricket families, the fans now come into the bar and the money's being used. And there's so many different avenues. We're trying our best to use the facilities that we've got to the absolute maximum because we've got such a good uh, tool in the bar. It seems crazy just to have it open on match days when the local area, it has a few pubs, but there's not that much choice. So to have another, it's, it's, it's just another huge opportunity and one that we've really taken on board. And having the bar open has been a huge help um, in keeping the in keeping the club afloat and making a profit, does a club club like Alan do a lot of sort of uh, like community work, youth development kind of thing? Does it, is there a lot of that sort of goes on? Yeah, we we do do quite a we, we do as much as we possibly can with the with the money and and, and the budgets that we do. Um, so over the last few over the last few years, as long as I've been involved, every single Christmas the um, Sheffield Children's Hospital have what's called Snowflake Appeal, uh, and on the side. Of hospital you can you can sponsor a snowflake uh, and we've always made it a thing uh, to at least get one or two of them every year so it's cost us a few thousand but it's obviously it goes to a great we go to a fantastic charity and a fantastic hospital and one that's close to many people's hearts within the football club as well as that we usually hold at least one or two charity games every single season i think the last few have also been for the children's charity 
I believe that this year's will be for St Luke's. So we do do uh, as much as we can in that aspect. We are also attending local, uh, you know, like family fun fairs, that kind of thing. So just try and have ourselves known in the community. Um, we are also looking at introducing a, a charity 10K next year uh, against one of our uh, rivals. So hopefully that will be take that will take place on a match day between ourselves and Hansworth. Another club who have secured promotion this season and drawn big crowds in the process is South Manchester's West Didsbury and Cholton. The club is well known for its left-leaning supporters with their iconic chants about quinoa and support of issues such as refugee and LGBTQ rights. West have one of the highest average attendances in the North West Counties League, with an average of 612 people attending home games this season. I spoke to Graham Elwood about the club's success on and off the pitch. Hi, Gray. Thanks for joining us on the on the pod. I wonder if you could start by uh, giving us a bit of an overview of West Isbury and Charlton, a bit about the history of the club and what it's what it's all about. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, where to start with West Isbury and Charlton? So, West Isbury and Charlton, we are a club in Charlton, South Manchester. The club was originally from West Isbury and moved to Charlton, so hence the name West Isbury and Charlton. Um, we're Currently, well, actually, the season's over now. We were, which way, whichever way you're looking at it, we were in the Northwest Counties Division One South, which is the tenth tier of English football. But we won that division this year, so we'll be going up to the Northwest Counties Premier. Yeah, with West, it's kind of you know the, your typical non-league football, but it's really taken off um, in a big way over the last few years. So, kind of from I'd say about 2014, 2015 onwards. There's been like a real growth with the club, um, you know, like the local community have really taken it under the wing. And yeah, the, you know, the crowd's been amazing. The support for the team's been amazing. And yeah, that's steadily grown over the last few years. We were disappointed to be relegated the season before COVID. And then obviously with this kind of COVID disrupted seasons, this is like the first season we've kind of had since a full season since we were relegated. And yeah, we've bounced back by winning the league this season, which, yeah, it's been very good. What, what do you think it'll mean then, promotion for the club? We're obviously delighted that we've got promoted and it's, yeah, you know, we're, we've absolutely loved that. But it was the aim at the beginning of the season. Um, you know, the size of the club, the way we've been growing on and off the pitch, you know, we, we shouldn't really be in the tier 10 of football, but you are where you are. And, um, yeah, the aim, the aim setting out, the aim at the beginning of the season was definitely for us to be winning the league. You know, the players would all tell you that the management, um, the supporters kind of expected it, which doesn't take away from the achievement at all. It's uh, it's not been like one of those where we're kind of, you know, it's not been like a Leicester where we've been had a, an unexpected rise. You know, we 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 set that as our as our aim this season. Um and yeah, we we've done it, which is amazing. The attendances, it's difficult to tell really. I mean, the attendances have always been really good at West, kind of almost um, I wouldn't say regardless of the results because a winning team and a successful team, we've seen like the attendances has grown have grown even faster. But even in that season when we got relegated, you know the crowds were better than anyone else in the division. We're kind of expecting the attendances to stay really good next season. Yeah, hopefully a lot of people who've kind of become aware of the club through the success on the pitch this season will will be sticking around next season when we're in the prem. Do you think crowds have grown at all? 
following the pandemic? Has as it, as it drawn people to the club, do you think? I think it's it's like a combination of things, really. I think there's, you know, o- over the last few years, I think there's a few people who've grown a bit disillusioned with the professional side of the game, you know, the, the Football League side of the game. We hear a lot of people who come to watch us who say that they used to go to United or City or, you know, whoever, but they can't afford to go with with their families anymore or, you know, the way that they used to enjoy going to watch these teams kind of isn't isn't possible anymore. So, yeah, we kind of find a lot of um, a lot of people who come down like to come like as a family or as like a big group of mates. You know, it's things that you can't really decide on a Saturday morning that you're going to go to Old Trafford with your whole family and just you know decide on the morning. So, in terms of like the pandemic, I'm not sure if it's added to it or or not really. But I think probably the pandemic meant a lot of people were kind of focused on their community and what's on their doorstep a little bit more. And like while we weren't playing football, I think through the pandemic, I think when we came out of the pandemic and we were allowed to have smaller crowds and kind of football came back again, I think probably there was a group of people who were more um, likely to look at what's in their local community rather than the bigger events, if that makes sense. I think a lot of it, I mean, a lot of it depends on, you know, um, the reasons you're into football for. You know, I think personally for me, the reason I like football is that you know, feeling part of something, being able to go with a group of friends, um, knowing the players, the playing, the players kind of uh, feeling like you have an impact on the players and the players really do appreciate you at a, you know, a much more uh, clear level than it, you know, it would be at a, at a bigger, a bigger game. Obviously, if you, you know, if you want to see the best players in the world, you're not going to see that at West Isbury and Chorlton. But I think, um, I think people would be pleasantly surprised by the quality of football that you, you do see there actually, yeah. I think with this current team at West, you know, they've all, the firstly, they're all quite a young team who've grown up playing together. You know, a lot of them have played in the same youth teams and then had chances maybe in the professional game and kind of tried out their career in football. And for, for various reasons, it's not worked out for them or they've fallen out of love in, with football. For most of them, what they found with the club is that they found somewhere that they enjoy playing football again with their friends on the team with them. And they've got a fan base that, you know, really, really back them. So like the advantages of that are that we've got, you know, a few players in the team who have had offers to play, you know, divisions above. They play football better than you would expect at this level. Hence why we've won the league. But, you know, if you spoke to those players for them, they just love playing for the club because they're getting like the adulation that they wouldn't get two or three leagues above. So, you know, if, if you're not going to make it as a pro and money isn't your number one factor, if you're in it to play football and enjoy yourself and be loved by a pretty big crowd of people, I think, uh, yeah, I think that's why we've kind of got some of the players that we've got, yeah. Yeah, it's like every player seems to have their own champ by the fans. The fans are a champ for everybody, aren't they? I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're quite creative, some of the, uh, the champs they could. Yeah, I, th- I think we've got probably uh, one of the best songbooks, you know, in, in non-league, I, I, would, I would say that. Not all of them, not, not not all of them hit, but yeah, quite a lot of them, quite a lot of them do. And uh, we've got we've got a lot of really creative fans, you know. And um, it's not kind of generic songs that you'd hear, you know, the same tunes around at every football league ground. It's you know pretty unique stuff. So we've got like a current Kylie Minogue song that gets gets sung in the shed. You know, uh, people are willing to try out different things, and and yeah, it makes it quite unique. And um, for the players. Yeah, they're playing in tier 10, but there's, um, you know, stickers, there's flags, you know, when they're playing, when they're playing at West, I think like they're kind of, it must feel like they're playing at a much higher level. And I think when they're getting offers maybe from one league above, two leagues above, three leagues above, they might get slightly more money, but I don't think they'll ever 
quite find that um, that love that they're getting from the support at West. So it's kind of a, I imagine it's a pretty difficult decision to, to leave West if you did want to make that, if you did want to make that choice, yeah. Does the club do a lot of work in the community then, uh, youth development or other stuff like that? We've got teams from uh, under fives, boys, under five girls that go all the way through to the adult teams. So yeah, there's, you know, there's hundreds of children who are part of boys and girls who are part of West Didsbury and Chalton, which is, yeah, something where I think the thing that we're proudest of, to be honest, a lot of the teams at our level, not all of them, but a lot of them are purely just a men's first team and all of the club's kind of resources and thoughts go in, into that. Our men's first team, it's kind of seen as like, you know, the the pinnacle or, the, you know, the most obvious part of the club that people get behind. But, um, you know, if you go onto Hardy Farm, which is like the kind of training pitch next to the West Disney Chorton grounds on a Saturday, you'll see hundreds of children in, in West shirts, boys and girls, all playing for their teams. You know, they're all named after white and black animals. So, you know, we've got the orcas, we've got zebras you know all sorts of different teams and I think that's why you know you get um on a Saturday if you come down you'll see there's a lot of children who are there kind of supporting the first team because they feel part of that club as well so yeah that's kind of like I think that's the the most obvious way that it's a kind of an impact on the community because if you walk around Chalton you just you know a lot of the children are involved and then through the children the parents are involved and you know that that the impact is there but then as well as that you know we, we do things like um food banks you know we've got like baraka who do food banks uh collections um you know recently we did like a, a collection for ukraine we did a day earlier in the season where the supporters arranged for uh, refugees to come to the match for free you know the support group union united no way like um set that up so yeah there's there's always really good stuff going on the club obviously has a kind of a reputation for being quite uh, sort of lefty, doesn't it? So I suppose like this kind of thing sort of taps into, well, sometimes like echoes that, doesn't it? Yeah, I would say it's definitely a very uh, left-leaning supporters base, you know, a very inclusive football club. So, I mean, I've not got figures for this, but it, it definitely feels like there's a higher percentage of female supporters than you would get at other football grounds, a lot more children and... Yeah, I think the supporters like to believe that they're very inclusive and that everyone is is welcome. Kind of anecdotally, a lot of people say that they weren't really into football when they started coming down to West or like what what their view of football, and especially non-league football, isn't actually what they've what they found when they've got to West. So yeah, we've got a lot of people who come down and try it out because a mate has brought them along and then before long they're kind of they're, they're kind of hooked. So yeah, a lot of like the the banners you'll see on a match day, you know inclusive lgbtq plus uh, refugees welcome you know yeah that's the kind of stuff you'd expect from our supporters yeah what's the uh, the club's ambitions then long term in the short term we've got back to tier nine and i think the plan is that we want to be going up to tier eight um i don't think we put like a, a time frame on that to be like it's got to be next season or or whatever but it's got it's something that we're looking for look, looking to be doing over the next kind of few seasons and while our support base is kind of three, four, five, you know, divisions above, that's like what our equivalent is. I think we're just looking up in that way. Um, in terms of ground development, I think there's challenges there because, you know, we're setting a pretty leafy, eco-friendly, beautiful part of Chalton. So you're not going to be seeing kind of a Salford City Must Lane kind of stadium popping up <laughs> anytime soon. I think any development that's happening there is going to be pretty, pretty slow. But yeah, that's kind of the plan that the 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 club's going to keep growing on and off the pitch. If there's anything else you'd like to 
you'd like to add in? If you fancy coming down to watch some some football, and even if you think that football might not be your thing, you might think it's kind of uh, you don't you're not into the football you see on TV, or you might think that there's a certain type of person that goes to watch football and you're not that person. I think come and try West Brom Chorlton, and you might find that actually uh, you've got a team there for you, and you're you're always welcome. Everyone's welcome. Now, for many years, English football has had a TV blackout between 3 and 5pm, where no matches are allowed to be broadcast live. Its purpose is to encourage supporters to attend live matches in person. However, in recent years it's become controversial, with many supporters wanting it lifting. I spoke to the Northern League's Mike Snowden to get his thoughts. Personally speaking, I think it would be a really bad move. I just wouldn't want to tempt fate by trying it out because once you lose people, it's really difficult to get them back. So I'm, I'm very much against it, and I think that should uh, that that block should stay. Uh, it, it's tough enough out there anyway for clubs just getting bums on seats and pe- you know people through turnstiles. So to put another obstacle in the way, uh, I just don't think is is worth it. A couple of seasons ago, just for a couple of matches. Um, we filmed a couple of midweek games live on YouTube, but we specifically only flagged them up 10 or five minutes before kickoff, just so we didn't put people off. Ian Jones of Hallam FC also had some strong thoughts on the subject. I massively oppose it. Irrelevant of my uh, allegiance to Hallam, long before I was a Hallam fan, I was a York fan, and I would massively oppose it at any level, under any guy, under any form. Um, what people don't quite understand is that it, it's not by having a 3pm blackout it doesn't stop people going to watch Man United it doesn't stop people going to watch Chelsea what it allows is that the fair weather supporter or the family of four who wants something to do for the day don't end up staying in and watching Chelsea on TV and if they're Rochdale fans or if they're Forest Green fans or Hallam fans or Swaleness fans or Sheffield FC fans, it will make, it will keep them going. If you're an avid Hallam fan like myself, I'm going anyway. You can put Man United on three o'clock every Saturday. I'm not going to watch it. I'm not bothered. If you've got a season ticket at York, you're a York fan, you're going to go. But it's that big percentage of walk-ins, so, so to speak, um, and that's why it's so important. Um, because they have no allegiance to any football club. Without being, you know, the football fans are usually fickle. If you win football games, you're going to get more fans through the door. If you're losing, you're going to get less. It's, it's, it's simple. Where clubs massively, massively, massively rely on Saturday afternoon revenue, like we've just said, if you don't have a bar or you don't have merchandise and you haven't got USPs like ourselves, then people coming through the door is absolutely... Uh, vital, especially after coming out of COVID and like we said, the cost of living crisis, I would massively oppose any rollback of the 3pm lockdown. Well, that's all from us this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks to all my guests, Mike Snowden, Ian Jones and Graham Elwood for joining us this week. And we'll be back in two weeks' time to talk about fly tipping. So please join us then. Thank you very much. Goodbye.